Greetings and welcome. Thank you to each and every listener for tuning in for this brand new episode of On What Brings You In. My name is Bradley Wank, and today we are going to be discussing couples counseling. According to a recent study, nearly 50% of couples will, at one point in their relationship, enter a couple counseling situation. The American Association of Marriage and Family Therapists also reports an overall success rate of 98%. Many couples go into counseling, uh, or therapy as you would call it, because they're dealing with a specific challenge, such as communication issues, difficulties around sex, affairs, or the consideration of a breakup. So for this episode, I wanted to give you a firsthand perspective of what it might be like to enter couples counseling with your partner from the perspective of a well-vetted local couples counselor. No matter what your unique situation is, I really hope this episode has plenty of information for you to consider, no matter what the status of your relationship is. This episode is titled, Keeping It Real with a Couples Counselor. As always, before we get started... The views, information, or opinions expressed in this podcast are solely the views of those individuals involved and by no means represent absolute facts. Opinions expressed by the host and guests can change at any time. At time, this podcast may cover sensitive topics and we ask you refrain from listening if you are likely to be offended or adversely impacted by any of these topics. Neither the company, the producer, the host, nor the guest shall at any time be liable for the content covered causing offense, distress, or any other reaction. I am not a licensed mental health counselor and this podcast should not be used to substitute for actual mental health support. So the concept of a relationship is actually quite a remarkable one, because out of the billions of potential partners in the world, we connect with one of them on an emotional and intimate and just a very deep personal level. We decide this person is who we want to be with. It's the partner we want to not only support, but the person we want to be supported by. This is a person who, in many cases, we see ourselves building a life with, maybe even starting a family with, but also someone who we choose to maintain a home and a lifestyle with. So in the same sense of life being a constant opportunity for growth and development, we also recognize the inevitable ebb and flow. So within a relationship, of course, there are going to be good and prosperous times, but there's also going to be difficult and tumultuous times. This is why it is so important to know your partner and to consider who they are as a person, how their personality handles difficult situations and stress, or even, for example, what is their arguing style? How do they handle themselves under those moments? What is their attachment style like? Are they someone who can see the big picture or do they get hung up on the little things? How does this mesh with who you are as a person? Today, I'm going to be talking with Amy Dixon. Amy is a licensed clinical social worker and couples counselor who owns and operates Upside Mental Fitness in Clearwater, Florida. Amy has invested more than 20 years of service as an educator and as a principal of therapeutic schools. These experiences provided her with the unique ability to work with parents, children, and adolescents, couples, and families. She is proficient in conflict resolution techniques and in transforming perceptions of self to cope with anger, depression, anxiety, self-esteem, and trauma. Amy holds a graduate degree from the University of South Florida in social work and special education with a specialty in behavioral disorders and a state of Florida certificate in education leadership. Amy, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely, Bradley. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I know this is an exciting episode. I am too excited, and I know that I'm, I'm, I love everything that you just said. I was like, say it again, repeat it, bring it back. Let's hit every one of those. Right, right. Well, let's just go ahead and dig right in because I just, for this episode, I just wanted us to go ahead and just start right from the bat. You know, so just, I, I would say, open it up and maybe tell us a little bit about what you do, what brought you into this field of work. All right. Well, thanks, Bradley, again. Um, I've always, I think I've been therapeutic by nature as a, from a young person. And so then I probably felt misunderstood in my younger years, a bit of a rebellious, obstreperous teenager. Right. And so I found my way, uh, oddly, as a tra- trajectory into the behavioral health, I mean, behavioral disturbance classrooms. And there I kind of found my home mm-hmm. because I always felt misunderstood my my own point the kids i worked with felt misunderstood right and so that kind of grew and then again i found my voice i found my heart i found my inner i found my values i find what grounds me and i discovered what it is like to work with people of different mm. variety different thought processes backgrounds histories stories yeah. and it just you know makes it so much easier when you give space for someone to be their individual without taking an affront 
And so I had my experience in schools, and it kind of led is that, you know, we know schools are changing, and I'm obviously a therapeutic person, so I decided to go in the back door and take a different approach. And right. 10 years ago, you know, started my private practice. And, you know, again, with couples, my, my proficiency was teens, right? Mm-hmm. I could help parents with teens. I could help teens with teens. Mm-hmm. It was just my thing. And when I got into therapy... Sorry, adult couples, no disrespect, (laughs) is that when I started working with couples, I was like, one's the teenager and one's the parent. Right. And it's it's it seemed like they didn't know that. They didn't like being parented, but then they accepted that. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I found another niche. Mm-hmm. I love this. You mentioned communication, conflict resolution, um, your choice. Right. Right? right? I choose you as my partner. Exactly. But now I'm going to fight you until yeah. we die. <laughs> right. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. But you yeah. didn't choose your family. Right. You didn't really get to choose, for the most part, your kids. Right. But you do get to choose your partner. Exactly. And then yeah. same team. <laughs> and then I said it to a couple the other night. It's like where you're running a three-legged race, and each one of you is trying to take the other person's shit out. Right. 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 So how do we get past that? Like you mentioned in the beginning is how do we get back to that interest of when we revered our partner, mm. when we dated them, right. when we chased after them, we pursued them, mm-hmm. and we were interested in that. And so I think, like you mentioned, I think therapy obviously should be all the time, whether we have problems or we're just yeah. at 22 years or we're at seven years. Right. We want to be invested. It's a business transaction. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We don't look at marriage like that. True. Why? Because there's two subjective rights at all times. Mm -hmm. Two people are equal in every circumstance. So how do you make a decision? Right, right. And I think that's what you're saying is bringing it into how do we come in is that couples that are 20 years old, we create different communication, you Mm -hmm. know, habits. So coming in... We can rearrange that and look at what worked for the last 20 years, what didn't work. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, hey, if you don't go to therapy, I'm divorcing you. Right, right. That's Ultimatums not... don't usually work. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's not yeah. inviting. Yeah, yeah, and it's threatening. And mm-hmm. it adds a sub- it, it adds a level of chaos to what's probably already chaotic. So, so what would you say um, when you start working with a couple? I mean, I know obviously it would be – Every couple would be different. Every couple would have their own unique challenges. But what what is typically the first thing that you try to assess or analyze when you start working with a new couple? First, I one because I'm a woman, I do say when the when men come in as the other partner is that at times in these sessions I'm going to want to say I wish I was a man with a man voice <laughs> because <laughs> at times we do think that I think the men might think. That I'm there to side with the woman. Right. And so I kind of do that is that from my working with the kids and the lessons I learned, my job's not here to be judgmental. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to have an opinion. Mm -hmm. I'm here to poke buttons, push, to build, to create, and to change or to evolve. Right. And so that's one of the first things just because it does become an issue or concern. And then the rest comes very quickly to why are you guys together? Mm -hmm. How come... Why'd you get married? Right. Why'd you choose to be committed? Right. Why did you choose to have babies together? Take me back through that wedding. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, go down that. Find that box. Right. Get it out. What are the vows? How come, where do they go? How often do we refer to them? What type of language or communication are we more settled with? Right. Right. So uh, bring them in and say that, one, they have a voice. This is their stage. Mm Mm-hmm. We don't marry our twin, but I think over time we think that our partner should become our twin. Yeah, yeah. You see that a lot. You see that a lot. Yeah, they should just know what we're thinking, exactly. what we're feeling, right. how we're going to re- – I think my head just went to the, you know, it's like when your partner's like, oh, no, I don't want to make a big deal out of my birthday. But really – they expect you maybe to think like, oh, maybe I, you know, you I, I don't know want better. the surprise party, you should know but better. they want the surprise party. Yep. You yes. should know so, by now. Yeah, right. And so, but it's, it's assumptions and that's one of mine, right? I say avoid assuming, avoid defending and avoid avoiding. Right. And right. if we could do those things, mm-hmm. then we're going to have it. So we kind of bring that in. And then I like to ask them is that there's obviously hurt and pain from our history mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we all have it. Mm-hmm. Um, it creeps into our personal 
serious relationships without mm. us even probably wanting it. And so I do ask, is like today when you come into the first session, this is day one of your second marriage. Okay. Right? And regardless, if they stay together or not, these communication, conflict resolution, self-esteem, groundedness, understanding, validation, and empathy are going to support them together or not as their family grows. Right. And so then they have that task to go home and say, these are the things that I want to throw away. Mm-hmm. And then this is what I want to keep, and this is what I want to see grown in marriage number two. And then we begin to work on that. Gotcha. Do people have a hard time accepting that notion of this is when your second marriage begins? Do people grasp that? or? So this, this will be a – we'll probably go off on a tangent here. So, again, I don't feel affairs destroy marriages. Okay. okay. That's, to me, that's not. When we think about a 50- or 60-year relationship, once I'm – probably will wander. Yes, right. It's, it's human nature. Exactly. And it shouldn't be, that we should be able to be honest with our partner and say, ooh, I'm having, you know, I just caught feelings or, yeah. you know, whatever that is, not saying I'm going to do it, but we push those things down and we're not expressing it's ourselves. It's shame, it's embarrassment. Right. It's, right. But right. the things that do destroy marriages or serious relationships are, is lying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? So I yeah. can say is that, you know, multiple couples that have had affairs, the affair isn't the issue. The affair is that, sorry, men, but mostly the wife, but men too, the women will say, but I, I asked you, I figured mm. it out. Mm. I knew it. I showed you. I proved it. And, the, you know, because right. embarrassed shame and not wanting to move forward or hoping that we can go away, we kind of get stuck and then we get immersed in our lie. Yeah, and that's the thing that pulls, the and that's what apart. makes it. Yeah, and I and we I know we've talked like for, from my perspective, we've talked about it in school before. You know, I'm not licensed, I'm not out there in the field yet, but just the basics of what that concept is is that it is the line that's deceitful, that's the hurtful part, that's the, and it's ironic because we make it shameful in our minds, it's like that we're having these feelings that we're looking, but like you said, it is human nature. It is very very normal to see somebody. I always find it with. My part. I mean, if we find another man attractive, we're like, he's hot. Like, <laughs> just there's nothing right. Keep it real. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, I'm not naive. I'm not the only person that he's looking at. But you know, and I, I personally, I would take it harder if the lie was there, or if the lie got built upon, and the lie just turned into this big nasty monster. And then, so what do you do in a situation as a therapist when you have somebody that does have that big nasty monster that's there? Well, we have to break down to once the uh, if it's an affair or an offense, then we go to I mean it's one hundred and one right transparency, mm-hmm. and and we do have a lot of that because again it goes back to that adult teenage I mean parent teenager right. is that right. all of a sudden I'm saying hey Bradley can I check your phone yes and yeah. then all of a sudden you're like hey I'm a grown man <laughs> <laughs> why are you asking me to check my phone you know yeah. and all of a sudden you're reading but. And then taking offense because you want the forgiveness to be forgiven. You want the error to be forgiven, the mistake to be moved past. So then when you're held accountable for that, walls go up. And exactly. then we get defensive. Mm-hmm. And then, again, the other partner starts being like, okay, now what are you hiding? What are you doing now? Right. And so it's this thing that we're trying to protect it from growing without realizing we're contributing volumes to the issue. Right. And bo- both – both sides. Yeah, sides. that's the big key. Absolutely. And again, that's why I say as well, it's not the person who had the affair. That's the worst partner, if right. you will, right. quote unquote. Right. It takes two to tango. And mm-hmm. I think that that quote fits here. Mm-hmm. We don't typically, I think there's like 10% that have serial affairs mm-hmm. or we've got the two families, you know, and all of that very different stuff. Always outliers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, for the most part... It takes two people to get to an affair. Yeah. One of the things I really appreciated when we were talking about this episode, and you've already mentioned it, but it really sat with me, was I had never thought of it from the perspective before that usually one acts like a teen and one acts like a parent. And I can think of so many, my own relationships, I can think of my friends' relationships, and it's like, holy shit. Like, that is so much what takes on. So I think it's brilliant that you've brought that into Mm -hmm. your approach when you work with people. And so... I kind of want to go into that just a little bit more, you know. So, what do you do? The power differential, right? Right. Yeah. So, when we have, um, I say to couples, and again, probably the first session or so, I'll say, "What other relationship 
exists where two people are right all the time. Valid point. Right? Why don't we have two presidents? Right. Why don't we have two principals? Right. We have a hierarchy of a power differential so everybody knows their role. In marriages, obviously you can't see my arms, but the power differential is, should be moving, equal, but then sometimes a little bit higher in exchange. Mm -hmm. But when they go to great lengths of difference, mm -hmm. that's when the parent and the teenager, teenager come out. personalities come out. Right. Because if you're going to ask me 5,000 times and I answered you, that 5,001 time, I'm going to be that crabby teenager. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, and so then push, we push, have that push. role reversal. But that's what happens. Like, well, why, why don't we have two pre presidents? Because nothing would get done. I mean, there would always be that that clash that's happening. And yeah, no, and go that, ahead. Please. And that brings in the divide and conquer, which I ask a lot in couples, right? Um, I know how I grew up, a different generation, but a lot of it was divide and conquer, right? right. Women were in the, in the kitchen, the sewing and the cleaning, and the men were doing the working and the outside. And though we've evolved, we still, I think, sometimes have those yeah, yeah. stipulations, if those you will. Those roles, kind of. Those yeah, roles. That... And so I say, yes, when we have a family of five, obviously it's very hard. However, do dishes together. I like that. Rub elbows together. Right. Smack each other on the butt with a towel. Yeah. You right. know, splout yeah. each other in the face with water. Mm -hmm. Have 20 minutes that they're doing something together to help the house, but it's shared fun versus one's off doing their thing and the other one's off doing their thing. Right. And then right. they come back and try to feel like a union. Where did those good pieces? We can get everything done possible, but if we don't feel good about it, mm -hmm. what's the what's, end result? Right. Hmm. Yeah, that's really, really it's powerful. And it's it, it's when you break it down and simplify it because we do make relationships complicated. I mean, then you throw in your personal feelings, and then you throw in. Your you history. said something to me. Yeah. I'm looking at my notes, and I. You said, "Get rid of the word you." Yes, sir. Absolutely. Explain that to me because it was fascinating. So I go back to teaching a lot with classroom management. I kind of call it cultural, you know, creation because I'm not managing children. Mm -hmm. I am managing my classroom, but I don't like that word. So I would say creating culture. And I read a book that was titled, Thanks for Chunking That at the Wall Instead of Me. <laughs> and it was the thinnest, smallest book. And I literally in teacher training have given and I tell parents to read it. I'm mm -hmm. like best way to look at disrespect, quote unquote, and misbehavior. And so if we take that in to what you're thinking is that when I talk to my partner, I'm usually say, what, what, what time did you get in last night? Mm -hmm. But what did you say you were going to do? But what were we supposed to do? But you said this time that you were going to be here at this time. Right. You tell me what you want to tell me all the time. I listen to you, and then this is what happens. I am disappointed by you. Right. So it's like, you know, a shotgun into one of those. It's just, patoom, 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 patoom. So you assigns blame. Right. It devalues, thereby also creating the power differential. Exactly. Going back to, the, yeah, right, the right. The parent and the teenage right. So how do you try to implement that with couples? I mean, just being aware of it, or is there another way you try to get that across? Yes. Um, so, one, if we always remind each other, we are we we are both right at all times. It's how we talk to each other. Okay. So when we're at home with our partner, it's not a business transaction. Right. So we don't don't, don't want to put on the persona of okay, hurry up and let's get this done. Yeah. <laughs> are you finished now? You got anything else to say? Yeah. <laughs> we we do. We want to take a second and seek to understand versus being understood. Right. Right. So I say that a lot. And that's very hard. I just still challenge with that. Seek to understand your partner versus your partner understanding where you're coming from. Right. Because you're going to get your answer. And the more that you try to understand where they're coming from. Right. And and that part, I call it, you know, we, we said before, we know that we know the love languages and we know different communications. And I could talk to you about a couple other needs that, you know, research talks about when you're fulfilled, I'm fulfilled. So right. I make you a priority. You make me a priority. Right. We're done. Yeah. But what's the hard time? Oh, sorry. What's the, what's the part is that it's just like the love languages. Mm -hmm. right? 
because we know them, quality time or, you know, words of affirmation. Physical touch, yeah. But yeah. if you're, if I'm not words of affirmation. Right. Then I'm talking to you in physical touch. Right. And you're like, that's not my language. <laughs> yeah, it's right? not working So for we're me. mad at each other for you speaking Spanish and I'm speaking German and we're pissed that nobody understands Well, that's each exactly other. why they call it a language. I exactly. mean, because if you don't understand, you're not going to be able right. to give or receive. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think it comes into all of these different facets because it really is amazing who, one, we talk about, who te- you know, how do we teach or focus on mental health in schools, right? How do we focus on you know, sex education or awareness in schools? You know, where do we talk about marriages, relationships, long-term, 40 years? It's not just the diamond ring and the bliss. Right. Yeah. That's over in hours. It is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's why I say honeymoon mm-hmm. is potential phase. Right. It's yeah. not a honeymoon. It's what we could potentially become. Right. Exactly. If yeah. we put into it. Um. So, yes, I think it gets into that place where, you know, I really try to get my clients to slow down mm. and not have that instant response. Okay. Pay attention to the exchange and the conversation. I like at least four. Okay. So if I said to you, you know, Bradley, I'm really having a hard time with how I'm being spoken to you. I think that it sounds placating to me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm struggling with, you know, feeling like nothing I do is right. Okay. And then typically one would say. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, um, come on, Amy. Uh, all right. I mean, yeah, like, I mean yeah. how many times different ways do I have to try it versus just because I say something bad doesn't mean you are bad. That's a big one. That's a big one, I feel, for a lot of couples that I've talked to because it's so easy to get offended. It's so easy to get – and we always – creatures of habit, human, mental health, we always go to that place of shame and doubt and all the ugly, ugly feels, and that's what pushes and pushes. And so when somebody says, you know, this is – I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example. This isn't the best dinner you made, but in a nice way, you know, all of a sudden you're like – well, shit. <laughs> Have you ne- you've never liked any of my dinners ever, yes. ever made? Yeah. I then, never cooked well enough for you. Gosh, why didn't you tell me this a long time ago? Right. And How then long you, have you been thinking about this? Right. <laughs> you go to all these places in your mind. And then all the external factors of life, the, the house, the kids, the, the dogs just came. I mean, and it's no wonder we get to this place where the one person who loves us unconditionally that we met in this world, we start to take it out on them. Yes. Thank you. And that's one of the first things I do. And I try to, I mean, I obviously, you know, wrap these concepts in over time with clients, couples as well. But it's how many hats do they wear? Mm. I, I mean, literally, I think I'm going to start doing it. Just get the old top hats, <laughs> like, you know, the printouts yeah. and write on yeah. chalk. But I literally, a person or one of the couple or both par- partners will sit down and be able to list within 15 seconds 15 different hats. Right. Right. So we know we're not taking that one hat off and putting on the other all the time. We're merging hats to make the best out of the most time to be the most efficient that we can. But then we don't realize which hat we're wearing. Mm -hmm. So like, again, if I was a teacher and I'm coming home to my partner and then I say, you know, start doing my teachy self. Right. That I'm not changing. You know what I mean? I'm not doing that, but I'm pushing it in there because it's habits. It's easy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But then what's communicated is, where do you fall on my hat list? <laughs> right. And a lot of times yeah. the partners fall yeah. seven, eight, nine, or ten as far yeah. as that priority. Right. It's funny you say that because in full transparency, I'm always very honest on this show with whenever something in my life, and I'm sure as a counselor too, I think every counselor has probably dealt with this within a partnership, is stop therapizing me. Like you <laughs> – you're talking about the hats. That's a bad habit of mine because you learn these things. And I love psychology. I love counseling. And, you know, I'm Humans. reading and reading and bringing all these things in. And then I, I, you catch something and you're like, Ooh. And my, my partner's like, stop digging. <laughs> so I'm it does happen. Yeah, it's just, I'm like, I'm just kind of going there just a little bit. But like, I think that's a nice point, too, is that, you know, some of the times we do that, like a, what I call a surprise tactic. Hmm. Instead of, like, picking up on that and saying, hey, Bradley. Um, do you have like 10 minutes later on tonight before we go to bed that I could just, you know, talk to you about some things that are like here in my head and my heart? Right. So sometimes we just go in for the kill. Yeah. Not thinking right. we are. We think it's just a conversation, but we're not realizing it's the conversation that deserves some weight and consideration. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then the people are, you know, partners get caught off guard and then they backstep <laughs> shuffle or right. defend or Right. And all the, all the above. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, Amy, as we're kind of, you know, bringing all of this together, uh, what would you say are some strategies that you would imply with couples when you start this counseling relationship with them? So I like to uh, I, I like to bring a lot of visuals or challenge them to bring visual illustrations of the change or evolution of what they want to see, because we know we're people of habitudes. It's too easy for us to go back to what's been maybe not comfortable, but familiar. Right. And so one of the things is I'll say sticky notes, rear view mirror, sticky notes inside your refrigerator, mm-hmm. you know, on the coffee pot, in, in your on your phone, set alarms, remind yourself, hey, today I get to tell my beautiful partner how much I am so enamored by their parenting skills. You know, right, whatever it is. Those yeah. practices yeah. into play. We we are creatures of habit. We should treat that same learning process to our marriages and yeah. things of that nature. Yeah. I like to challenge people with analogies. Um, one video I highly suggest watching, and I just heard a reference on it in a movie I was watching last <laughs> weekend. It's The Tale of Two Brains. Mm-hmm. And so it's a comedian show. Just watch the one that's seven or 19 minutes, not three hours. <laughs> and so this, the man describes the female's brain makeup and the male's brain makeup, typically. And... One, I think right there, understanding how different those two brains are. Absolutely. Even the difference within a same brain, but just the, the the ways that the two brains interact. Women are women's brains are described as a galactic highway that is surging with lights and sparks and zing zing. You mentioned mom, I'm thinking your mom, I'm thinking <laughs> me, I'm thinking about my kids parents, mom, I'm thinking about, you know, yeah. and it just goes when men, you know, are typically are approached with, you know, mom, they're like, you talk to mom today? Yeah. So men's brain is described as a whole bunch of boxes, but one topic in each box. Gotcha. Right? gotcha. And so right there, sometimes just watching that and being able to laugh at that and it not being personal. Right. This right. is, that's what I say all week. This is not personal to you. And that, one, brings a lot of people to tears because they think it's their fault. They think they're messed up people that cannot make this thing work. And that's not the case it's at all. not the case at yeah. all. Yeah. It's probably one of the most challenging jobs you have. But again, what type of effort do we put into that job like mm-hmm. we would for our job for building finances or retirement? Mm-hmm. And so I like to do date night once a week. Right. Um, highly recommend watching The Armchair Expert with John Gottman mm-hmm. um, visiting. And he talks a lot about, you know, the typical things in that. It is a long listen. But date night once a week. If you can't do it once a week, once every two weeks. If you can't do that, once a month. Right. But it's a date that nobody can change. Gotcha. Unless the couple decides to do it together. Mm-hmm. Right. So I could bank on you. That means anybody says, hey, Bradley was asked to go out on Thursday night. I don't have to get all frantic and be like, what did Bradley say? <laughs> because I know Bradley's right. going to say, sorry, that's my date night. Yeah, it's date night. It's date it's, night. I'm committed that's, to that. Yep. It's, that's yep. what it is. Yeah. And what happens to that is co- communication, commitment, yes. showing up. Right. Remembering me, prioritizing right. us. And these little things are huge, mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. Do they take a time to grow? Absolutely. And for build sure. into routines. But why would we do that for the partner that we choose to grow old with? Right. Yeah. And then I'll exactly. come back to that. And then table talk. Mm-hmm. So table talk is I always ask people to talk about the business mechanics of the relationship Mm -hmm. so again going back to what i referred to earlier bradley when i'm spoken to i feel patronized Mm. and so this week i paid attention to it and it was at these two or three circumstances right but notice i didn't say bradley when you talk to me you're patronizing (laughs) and when you did this last thursday and you did it again thursday night and then on friday you did it and on saturday i'm ready to fight you know yeah much different because that's how it happens Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Absolutely. So you take 15 minutes. Right, and you break it down. And if one person has to talk for that 15 and that's it, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. If the other one you want to exchange, I recommend that. Mm-hmm. But when we're getting used to it, it's hard to just sit and listen. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I encourage people to write it down. Oh, yeah. Have a little journal. Make it mechanical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's and that's exactly what 
It's funny. I always just, I always say like with like, I always say you can always look at kids like from like a psychological perspective, like when you set up all the experiments and stuff. But when you observe kids, I always think they break problems down to such a simplistic point that you can apply any adult problem to that. So thinking about it as a couple, when there's something that's going on or there's a conflict or there's X, Y, Z, you know, just being able to break it down into what this is. The bottom line, we love each other, but everything else, or, or I, should, I, I shouldn't say but, I should say and. And everything around us is causing all of this. And everything is. So I like that approach. I think that's, and that's a really easy way for people who don't really know, you know, the ins and the outs of what couples marriage counseling would be. It's a great place to start. And I think that you nailed it is I'll ask people again, sticky notepads are wonderful or take your phone and type out the issue that's on the phone. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. Gotcha. I'm not talking about how you've let me down or how felt, felt let down or, you know, how redundant this problem is. We're talking about this issue that occurred in the last couple of weeks. Right. So and let's just keep it about this on. issue and this one issue. Right. 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 Good we adults. Go as that, we get older, we in... open Pandora's box. Yeah. And then us good couples, <laughs> we don't talk for four or five, six, seven, eight days. Yeah. Because yeah. we just opened up every world of hurt possible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and wondering. Yeah. Right. So I have a question, um, one that kind of came to me throughout us talking was, you know, so what would you say to, because I, and this is a little bit on my own personal experience, is like, I very much value my independence. I am an extremely independent person. If I need to get away, it's ironic. I love to take a trip to a city and just be by myself and be in the coffee shops. Like when I write, if I'm in a coffee shop that is like, crammed and and there's people and there's this I feel invisible Grounded. almost I, yeah I just feel like I do my best writing there I don't need nature I'm not right like oh god no but what I'm saying with that and just because and I'm thinking too of a lot of my friends and issues because when you go into psych people start bringing their shit to you constantly so one of the things is and I've seen this with couples is that one of the one of the partners in the couple wants that independence. They want to be independent, but they still want to be in their relationship. They're not swaying from the relationship. They're not saying, hey, I need to go do this. Take, say, say it is a trip. Say I need to go take this trip. They're not saying I don't want to take a trip without you. I mean, that's how it's coming across. But I'm doing this for me. So how do you keep that independence in a relationship without pissing the other person off? Well, and I think it kind of goes back to tying in what we talked about with the date night and the table t- table, table talk is, you know, in the schools that I was a part of, we had um, a campus improvement plan in the beginning okay. of the year, right? Yeah. All members, and we even had community and the board, right, are all involved in all these tasks that are going to be checked on every six weeks. Mm-hmm. And then we have a checkup at the, in the middle of the year. Mm-hmm. Everybody's assessed at what they're doing, how's it going, what do we need, what are we lacking, and then in, in the spring before the end of the you know school year, we do a needs assessment. Oh, okay. What did we meet? What didn't we do? Right, same thing for the fiscal years in most businesses. Right, exactly. We don't do that in families. Right, right. So if we if we did and not make it a big deal, got to make it fun. Let the kids design the calendar. Or, you know, yeah, let them yeah. technology create it or come up with an app. You know, there's I'm sure an app yeah. on the phone yeah. where we can constantly be talking about what we want from ourselves and for our family or our couple. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But because we don't do that, when that comes across, then I do take offense to it because. So you're saying that you don't want to spend time with me. Right. Uh, are right. you talking to me about what's going on, really? Are you hiding something from me? Yeah. Are you trying to yeah. run away? Right. And then this goes into the thought that I had when you were saying that is it becomes a cat and a mouse chase. Right. One right. Again, teenager parent. One person is the cat and the partner. One person is the mouse, typically. Right. We do exchange those roles. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in that case, your partner would be chasing you. Yeah, exactly. And when you're trying to be the mouse and just get a little time alone. Right, right. So we want to be aware of that, mm-hmm. right? Pressure cracks, I say, right? We know yeah, one thing right. pressure does well is make diamonds. Yeah, right, exactly. Anything else, it smushes, it smushes to it, pieces. Right. Good point. Yeah. So when we're feeling that pressure, we're feeling that, but again, that's where that you word, omitting that you word, right. comes in. right. Right. Because when you talk to me, when I'm talked to you in a way, and again, I self-correct even though I say it all day. When I'm spoken to and says, like, I want to go on this adventure for 
what, 72 hours, and this I'm going to write, I'm going to let my hair down, mm-hmm. I am going to do all the things that individuals do, dance like no one's watching. Yeah. It, it's nothing about me. Mm-hmm. But right. that's not normally how we communicate it. Exactly. Yeah. Or right. we shy away from the communication. So right. it goes back to that honest thing that you were speaking in the beginning. Yeah, for sure. Is how do we make space to hear things we don't like hearing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And exactly. we're not going to always like what our partner says. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that they love us less or that we're heading down a bad road. It just means they are an individual. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Who we married. Right. An and individual we, we fell in love with. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think that is a big thing. I uh, Just a lot of, you know, I'm going up over the list of like my girlfriends in my head that have come to me and stuff. And a lot of it is, it, it, it does center around that. A lot of it too, um, you know, like when that trust situation when maybe a partner goes on a business trip or you know you're just creating all of those things in your mind and so I know what your answer is going to be with that about the communication but that also because I do research a lot for these episodes and one of the things that popped up when I was continuing to go over a lot of the information for couples counseling was open relationships and open marriages so it's one of those things that, and I'm just going to be honest, according to Google, uh, people are looking a lot of information up, you know, do open marriages work? Uh, you know, is there is there some sort of way to approach it, I suppose? And so I just wanted to kind of get, as somebody who works in the field, what your take is on the open marriage thing. And it's interesting, brings me back to kind of what you described in the beginning, which is no two marriages are the same, <clears throat> no two relationships. So obviously you can't have just one, like for me, treatment plan that says this will be appropriate for all couples. Right. But then I say that and then I say, but the things that we work on kind of are very similar. Mm-hmm. It might be in a different way, in a different fashion. So I think it's very tricky for open marriages because some people that might not have or might be missing some of the core components in their relationship and they see other people doing it and having success, we think that we can do it too. Right. So it comes back to there is no one prescription. Right. You know, from again, from what I, my work or from what I've heard is we have to have solid communication, right? We have to have open transparency. Um, we don't want to use it kind of like having a baby to fix the relationship. Yeah. This is bringing not, in not. other people's when we have problems probably will exasperate right. the issues that we were not addressing. Yeah. And yeah. so it's a tricky, a slippery slope because, again, it could be fantastic for one couple exactly what they need. But then it could be the exact opposite. And so I say do your research go through some mock nights where we're not carrying through with the thing, go through the emotions, like kind of like almost role play it without yeah. doing it yeah. um, and see the residuals that pop up just from that. Right, because you're never, you can imagine in your head what that's going to be like, how it's going to feel, but you don't know until you're in the moment. And especially depending on what the boundaries are, right. what is set, and that's, I mean, that's important. You have to set those. those right, and the rules. Be, and yeah. again, even, you know, just again, like I said, habitudes. It, Couples are as guilty as teenagers, right? Right. How many times do I have to tell you to do that when you get home from school? And then a couple will be like, how many times do I have to tell you? You have to call me before, you know. We do the same thing. We don't realize it. So we really want to pay attention to the building of the rules. Because just because if I sat down with my partner tonight and said, let's come up with rules Mm -hmm. to approach an open marriage, Mm -hmm. those rules aren't practiced. Right. Right. So when we come into an event, right, which is emotion with a memory, right, we lose logic. Yeah, that goes out the window. We're emotional. Yeah. So those rules, they're not existent. Yeah. yeah. And then the next day, when you're back in logic world, you're like, ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did say that, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. So yeah. we, you know, it's almost weird because we're going to practice that without practicing the open marriage. Right. Exactly. And but on kind of grounds that are shaky i just i see like earthquakey kind of situations and not to, and again not to say that it doesn't work for some people not to say it's not what some couples need and i'm sure for some people for some individuals it might be right. a great ingredient some individuals them. can have physical intimacy and not have an aftermath of connection or thoughts or feelings right other people are emotionally bound to the intimacy they almost have to feel it first before so yeah in that situation i would get where and then if i'm your partner and i'm watching you i might start thinking wait a minute (laughs) he 
seems to be having a little bit more fun than he does with me. Yeah. You know, and yeah. again, we go back into what you were saying, shame, vulnerabilities, yep. all of those issues that we think we're trying to heal, but we may be exasperating. Right. I say anything, try anything, because that means you're trying. Yeah, that's right. Especially, well, and especially too, if those were the issues that I'm just thinking, like if that specific couple approached you with that, if they were already dealing with those factors that you had mentioned and then and I feel like that's probably coming back to the this is like let's have a baby to fix our marriage kind of situation but um but yeah just something I thought we'd touch on I was like if I have a couples counselor here and this is what people are asking like it's a great thing to talk about because like you said every situation is different and that's the the base premise with what you do for a living it's almost when people you know are contemplating divorce or, or considering it, right? Good humans, we go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We're like, oh, no divorce, because I like this. Or, oh, see? And then we're like, oh, no, getting divorced because this, see? Right, right. And so, but I'll challenge them, if they do it for one week or two weeks, is stay in one lane. Okay. Stay in the divorce lane. Right. Let things naturally come like your brain will do when you've made a decision, Right, that's when the gotcha. grass is greener. That's also when right. our grass gets greener. Because then we're like, oh, that's not that bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, but being able to sit in those decisions without making a decision, I think, is a very tough ask. Right. And people, typically, us good humans, delayed gratification. Yeah. Bueno. Yeah. And we yeah. want, we lack we want. impulse control. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're just designed to do that. So, um, what would you say to, and I'm thinking about my audience, I'm thinking about somebody who's listening in the car right now on their way home, and they've been kind of teetering back and forth about going into couples counseling. They're not sure how to approach their partner. What would you suggest? How do we grow? Let's grow together. We've got a garden out there that's not been weeded for a while, and it looks like it has some tending. Right. There's some things that I want to say that I might need help or support from somebody else to say that in a way that doesn't come off as offensive, hurtful, dismissive. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I'm in a rut. And getting a third party in on this might benefit us to create new tools. Again, a lot of couples I work with have been together since they were in their 20s, 18, 20 yeah, years old. Sure. Now they're in their 40s. Well, that's 24 years of maybe some funky habits. Right, right. So right. just because we're smarter, wiser, older, more mature, more experienced, we go back to that 22 years of bad mm -hmm. habits. Creatures of habit. Yeah, mm -hmm. 100%. So we know coming in is I want to create new habits. We're not the same as we were when we were 20, 22. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how do we spruce us up here? How do we become that couple? And that's an analogy I like to use. I will ask couples, which... You know, which older couple, and again, I'm not shamed to anybody. You don't read between the lines here. Um, but if you're, you know, taking a cruise and you're older, we know the stereotypical couples. And so, one, they get up in the morning and they do the breakfast. One has a newspaper. One's on their phone. Afterwards, uh, you know, the one partner might get up and say, hey, I'm going to go to the spa. The other one says, hey, I'm going to just kick it around here for a little bit, drink a cup of coffee. Hey, meet you up for lunch. Okay, sweet. Sounds great. All right, after lunch, I'm going to the sports bar. All right, well, I'm going to the pool. Right. And then, okay, well, we'll be at the room. We'll go to dinner around 7. Okay. Yeah. And then at dinner repeats breakfast and lunch. Yes. Or do you want to be the couple that you have breakfast and you say, hey, honey, can I get you anything? Because I'm going up. Let me <laughs> let you sit down and let me let me bring you a few things. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, let me surprise because I know your favorites and mm -hmm. I'm going to treat you to something special. Yeah. You know, when, when they're walking, they touch each other's arms or they hold each other's waist or they compliment each other. How about that? It's a big one. You yeah. Know? Wow. Yeah. I like that little thing you got on for this cruise, ma'am. <laughs> you know, get a little flirty, smack the booty, yeah. you know, have some fun. But then that day, they breakfast, they're planning out the excursions they want to do that day. Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. they're reading a book together. Right. Or they wanted to go see this show. Right. And at lunch, maybe they decide to go cuddle and take a nap together. Exactly. And at dinner, maybe the one partner goes out after they get ready and goes and gets a flower or a little champagne or a little yeah. something. And yeah. they pick their knock on the door and pick their partner up. <laughs> right. And yeah. they're going on a date. Make it fun. Make it yeah, fun. Yeah, make it fun. So you're going to sail on your boat by poking holes in it. Mm -hmm. You're not sailing off into the sunset. 
Right. And when right. you and your partner are together, you're in the same boat. Right. Right. Yeah. And so you can poke holes at your partner, <laughs> but yeah. you're going to sink too. You're going to sink the same boat that you're sitting in. Right. For sure. That's a wonderful, that's a wonderful way of looking at it. And even to taking it back, you know, to that example, I mean, it doesn't really matter which couple you are. I mean, there's nothing wrong with either one of those. It's just finding what you want and, and figuring out a way to, yeah, figure out a way to communicate through mm -hmm. that. So, um, creating that picture again, that's communication. We go back into what you mentioned earlier, the assumptions that once we know each other, it should be assumed that right. whatever is happening, and you know, but we don't. But in the same sense that we're constantly growing, we're constantly adapting, we're constantly changing. Like you said, those same habits don't always work going forward. So it is, that's a great, you know, and I, again, I, I am thinking, I, I love to think of the audience who's out there and I try to think of what they're thinking right now. And so that's why I wanted to open that up and just, you know, if, and, you know, and think about it too, if you do approach a partner and they are non-conforming to it, or they don't even want to, you know, they're going to bring up the, well, it's, it's whack or it, God, whack. Jesus, take me back to the nineties. <laughs> it's, you know, but it's like, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's that, but no, it's like, you know, it, I wanted to say, I guess more like it's a quack. Oh, therapy doesn't work. It's not going to be something. I don't want to go in and talk to a stranger. I mean, what would you say when you get that backlash? I, I think that's very. It's a very good point. And right, I'm not there to judge. I'm not right, there to be right. your solution. I'm not there to do anything besides provide tools that could work for you or could not. Right. But fighting the same old fight, we all know how that ends. And so we, we, you are going to. I have that a lot. Is well, what if I disagree with him or her when they want their way? Well, that's the weird, right, wacky conversation of what's a compromise. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. an argument in many relationships. Right. Because often people think a compromise is you get your way or right. I get my way. Right. Or right. you have to move a little or I move a little. But it really could have seven different definitions, definitions yeah. because yeah. you could not get anything. Right. And 100%. I could. That's still a compromise. Yeah. We could both throw out the whole idea and come up with something new. Right. It's still a compromise. But it is that kind of feeling that's left over when you don't get your way. Back to the teenage parent. Yeah, thing, exactly. Right? There's a teenager, there's a parent. And so when we don't get our way, we feel slighted. Right. But then again, it goes back to the poking holes in the same boat mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. but this is your partner. Right. That's They're the not difference. slighting you. Yeah. yeah. They love you. Right. And all of your in uh, vulnerabilities. Right. And right. I think that we forget to say that specifically, too, because in our world, right, we have these words like perfect. You know, we yes. use words like we have these big words that send a lot of big meanings that might not have the really right meaning that shares the correct lessons. And so I, I think that that's a kind of a misunderstanding versus the perpetual conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. The research that Gottman say that 70 percent of problems and relationships are never solved. That's two thirds. Right. Right. Of Perpetual problems. Yeah. So what do you do? You learn to listen. You learn to talk. Yeah. Yeah. That's all you, you can learn do. to make room. Exactly. Exactly. You learn to be accepted the way you want to be accepted. Right. Right. It's all, uh -huh. all for the good. So it comes in onto that place of where you know I say to a lot of couples is who's going to be the first one or who can be one this week to not pick your gloves and put them on too. So if your partner picks up their gloves. Mm-hmm. Do you have to? Right. right. And if you do, could you throw them down? Because if we both put our gloves on, we're going to fight. Right. So right. I do corny things. Oh, like I do corny things like, you know, I put flag on a play if you like sports. You know, get <laughs> yeah. those little flags and put them in the kitchen and no. be like, flag on the play. Bring in the <laughs> yeah. air horn and be like, Marrr. yeah. Use for a code sure. word. Break right. up the old patterns in a fun way that right. creates camaraderie and teamship. And something you're doing together, together. a new thing you're doing together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not being shaked or shamed. Yeah. Because that's, that's just going to go back to what we've been saying throughout this whole episode. It just all goes back to the same level of bad things that we don't want that are, I don't want to say bad things. I would just say things that are keeping us from reaching our potential as, as an individual, but also as a couple. So, yeah. So Amy, I want to open it up to you. Uh, we're kind of getting towards the end of our, our time here. So is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with or any final thoughts you want to give? Well, I really appreciate you having me on today, Bradley. Of I course. thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think that, all adults and couples 
have the opportunity, especially if we have families, to continue teaching our children how that we are never at a place to stop growing or changing or evolving. And that's because our very significant partner brings it out. It doesn't have to be a vulnerability, that we learn to lean on our partners when we're vulnerable versus defend ourselves, which creates a fusion and you know, right. a peg between us. Um, I think relationships, marriages are one of the hardest things. And so I found a quote years ago, and I just kind of like to end with that. And then yeah. again, thank everybody, is love is a constant process of tuning in, connecting, missing and misreading cues, disconnecting, repairing, and finding deeper connection. It is a dance of meeting, parting, and finding each other again, minute to minute and day by day. And I think that kind of wraps up everything that we said because mm-hmm. sometimes when we're on the outs with our partner, we feel like that bad child. Right. And then we act like that bad child. Right. And we think that nothing can be restored in our marriage because we feel a disconnect. Right. But when we give some space and we avoid the mouse and cat and mouse chase mm-hmm. and we go back to priority of you, priority for me, then we can understand that we're never always going to get along. Right. Right. But we're always not going to get along. Yeah. Not ex- get along. Right. And so it just gives to me a hope is that, yes, marriages are hard. That's why there's great failure. Um, in the stats, but it's achievable when we make room for each other and realize that we're not going to always be on point. Right, right. Well, that is beautiful. It's a great way to end that. Again, thank you so much, Amy, for being here, for keeping it real with us, and for all the wonderful insight and the advice that you have for individuals and couples to consider. So thank thank you. you, Thank Thank you. I also want to thank the CoLab Studios in Clearwater, Florida, for their continued hard work and dedication. If you are local to the Clearwater area, Amy Dixon is currently accepting new clients. Her practice is called Upside Mental Fitness. It's located in Clearwater. And you can visit her website, www.upsidementalfitness.org, for more information. In this season, you guys, we're really working to build the show into something that can reach a greater audience. So if you have the time, I would really appreciate if you could like, subscribe, and rate each episode so that we can gear our content going forward and give you guys the best episode we can. If you have enjoyed this episode and want to add to the conversation, or if you would like to be featured on a future episode, you can visit my website, www.onwhatbringsyouinepisodes.com. And as always, if you or anyone you know is experiencing a mental health crisis, please call or text 988 from your phone or visit www.988lifeline.org. Stay strong. Help is out there. My name is Bradley Wink, and this has been an episode of On What Brings You In.